Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. Hope you're well today. Good to see you on this Memorial Day weekend as we uh, remember those who have served so gallantly in defense of our freedoms here in this great country on Memorial Day weekend. Um, I, I know that uh, a lot of you are aware that I, Memorial Day weekend has a special place in my own heart because of my Uncle Frank. I sent it in the note I sent to the congregation yesterday. Uh, my Uncle Frank, I never met him. He served in World War II. He died on January 1st, 1945 in Moratai Island uh, in the South Pacific. He was 24 years old, wounded the day before on New Year's Eve. Uh, New Year's Eve uh, 1944, died the next day. And so I, I'm especially proud of him for a lot of reasons, but one of them is because I, I'm his namesake. My mom and dad name, named me after him. I have Frank Winfield Briggs is my name. It was his name. Uh, we have... Christy and I passed that on to our kids. Jeremy's name is Jeremy Frank, not for me, but for Uncle Frank. Nathan's name is Nathaniel Winfield, not for me, but for Uncle Frank. Uh, just to carry that legacy forward, to help people remember those who have given and served and the, the sacrifices that they've made to allow us to have the freedom to be here in this place this morning to worship. What a gift we have been given. Amen? Uh, and and uh, one of the things that I know about Memorial Day is that uh, almost every country in the world that, I can, that I've learned, if they're a country of any size, they have some kind of a Memorial Day celebration. Uh, they name it different things. They call it by different names, but they, they have their own way of honoring those who have sacrificed through their service. Uh, and of course, it's a great way to remember uh, the cost of war, but it's also a great way to honor the sacrifices that they have made. Uh, and it is a great gift to all of us to, to remember those things. But as we uh, think about Memorial Day, as we come in here to worship this morning, uh, I, I, I'm not, I don't want to take anything away from Memorial Day and the importance of Memorial Day, but I want to ask you a question, and that question is, uh, which is a more important day, Memorial Day or Easter? And your response, I hope, would be Easter. Now again, not to take anything away from the sacrifices of those who have made that ultimate sacrifice, but to simply acknowledge that those sacrifices that we honor at Memorial Day are, are preserving our freedoms as a country, but the bigger sacrifice was made on Easter, or actually on Good Friday, and Jesus rose from the dead on Easter, let the church say amen. amen. Uh, and that sacrifice gives us freedom no matter where we live, no matter what country you live in. You could be in a, in a total communist country, and there's plenty of oppression around the world right now for Christians. In fact, the Hudson News Service says that, that there are th about three, almost 350 Christians that are killed every month around the world. Think about that. Think about those Christians living in those places around the world where they're being sacrificed every single day almost around the world. And to know that their sacrifice, the, the way that they have given up their lives, reminds us of the gift of Jesus who gives us freedom, not only in this life, but in the life that is to come. Can I get an amen? amen. And because of that, because of this gift that God has given us in Jesus, we uh, need to learn how to be generous people because God is so incredibly generous with us. God gave us his one and only son to die for us so that we might have life. God generously gave to us. We need to learn to be generous with others as well. So as I begin this morning, I want to just pause for a moment to give thanks 
because of the generosity of God. So I want to do a little prayer with you. And the way I want to do the prayer is I'm going to say a line and you just repeat it, okay? So bow your head and your heart, would you please? Thank you, God, for the gift of Jesus. His sacrifice gives us life today and tomorrow. Help us, God, to learn to be generous people because of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. And all God's people said, Amen. I threw that in there. It slipped you up there, didn't it? Yeah. So today and next week, I want to talk to you about being a generous person. It's a mini-series about generosity, and it includes some teaching about the M word, and the M word being money. But let's understand right from the get-go that this is about generosity first and foremost. It's about being generous people because God has been generous to us. What you will not hear in this little mini-series, because it's just two weeks, what you will not hear is speaking about this idea that you might hear in some places about the, that we call the prosperity gospel. And the prosperity gospel says that when you give, you'll get more wealth, that you'll get a whole bunch more. That is a give-to-get mentality. What I want to talk to you about is a give-to-give mentality. It's a very different thing. Please understand, it's not about give-to-get. It's about give-to-give so that we might truly reflect the generosity of God. So our passage, our beginning passage for today comes from Luke chapter 6, one I'm sure most of you have heard many times before, Luke 6, verses 37 to 38. Let me read it to you. Don't judge and you won't be judged. Don't condemn and you won't be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good portion, packed down, firmly shaken and overflowing, will fall into your lap. The portion you give will determine the portion you receive in return. Now, Jesus mentions four things that are pretty straightforward that we get, I think. Those four things are judging, condemning, forgiving, and giving. Now, there's a parallel, and part of the reason I'm going to share a couple of other passages with you is because this theme that Jesus lays out here in Matthew 6 is, is a theme that we hear at many other places in the Bible as well. The parallel passage is in Matthew 7, verses 1 and 2. I want to read it to you in the same way we did the prayer, except for the ending of the prayer. All right? So I'm going to say a line. You say it back. All right? It's Luke or Matthew 7, verses 1 and 2. Don't judge so that you won't be judged. You'll receive the same judgment you give. Whatever you deal out will be dealt out to you. And it comes to us again in Matthew chapter 7. The same idea uh, comes from the golden rule. Matthew 7 verse 12 says, do not do to others whatever you, oh, you don't have to, don't have, don't have to respond to me. Sorry about that. I'm going to read it myself this time. Do to others whatever you would have them, whatever you'd like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. The golden rule. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. And then similarly, the great commandment that I'm sure most of you are familiar with from Matthew 22. Jesus says, love God, love your neighbor as yourself. Similar kind of concept. 
Now, let me ask you the question. Uh, hopefully, you've been listening, so you, you would know the answer. But nowhere in any of those passages is the M word mentioned. It never mentions money. And when we think about giving, very often we are inclined to think about money. But this is about giving on a grander scale. It's not just about money. It's about all aspects of our lives, about learning to be a generous person. And the idea of this generosity is central to the gospel message. You can't talk about grace without talking about giving. God so loved the world that he what? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. The idea of giving is consistent throughout the Bible. It's about investing. You hear it in the Old and the New Testaments. The idea of reaping and sowing. The idea of reaping and sowing. Of course, the Bible was, was written in an agricultural period where everybody understood agricultural illustrations. But, but the idea is true for us as well because we get it. You take a seed and you put it in the ground. You take a seed and you invest it in the ground. And there is a great return that comes from that one little tiny investment. Invest a seed and good things come. Investing in good things brings good things is the idea behind this biblical uh, understanding of what giving is about. And let me say that I would believe that everybody here would be able to say you've had a lot of bad experiences happen to you in your life. A lot of bad things have happened. But if you are a Christian... And I were to ask you, do you feel like you've had more bad things or more good things in your life? If you are a Christian, wouldn't you say the good far outweighs the bad? Wouldn't you say that because of what God has done for you? Generosity applies to every aspect of our lives. The way we live our life flows out of our heart, and giving flows out of our hearts too. It is why God is interested in our money because it's connected to our hearts. If God can get into your wallet, getting in, God getting into your wallet is evidence that God is in your heart. Now you think about that a moment. If God can get into your wallet, it is evidence that God is in your heart. Now I didn't say this. Jesus said this. We find it in Luke chapter 12, verse 34, where Jesus said, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, you think about, about money for a moment. You think about the value of money and about how we like to, to use our money. But we've, we place a priority on money. And, and evidence of that would be if you had some extra cash and you wanted to invest it, you might invest it in a stock, and you, you would go and look at your investment on the Internet. You would look and see what your stock is doing. Whereas before, you wouldn't care about what your stock might be doing because you hadn't invested in it. But because you put your money there, your hard-earned money, and because your heart is tied to that money, you want to know how your money is doing. I want today to invite you to think about what it means to be generous, and it relates to where your heart is. Where is your heart? I want to talk to you about becoming generous and learning to be a generous person. And it's framed around a, a wonderful little chapter in the Bible, Deuteronomy 15. I'm going to read several verses out of Deuteronomy 15 that will frame our thinking about what it means to be a generous person as we think about heart giving. Deuteronomy 15, 7 and 8 says, Now if there are some poor persons among you, 
Say, one of your fellow Israelites in one of your cities in the land of the Lord your God is giving you. Don't be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward your fellow Israelites. To the contrary, open your hand wide to them. You must generously lend them whatever they need. It says, don't be hard-hearted. So let's explore what it means to be generous, to have a generous heart. And the first thing I want to talk to you about that comes out of Deuteronomy 15 is that we have to deal with a selfish heart. Deal with a selfish heart. The next verse in Deuteronomy 15 says this. But watch yourself. Make sure no wicked thought crosses your mind, such as the seventh year is coming, the year of debt cancellation, so that you resent your poor fellow Israelites and don't give them anything. If you do that, they will cry out to the Lord against you, and you will be guilty of sin. Listen to the way the New Living Translation speaks the same verse. It says, Do not be mean-spirited and refuse someone a loan because the year for canceling debts is close at hand. If you refuse to make the loan and the needy person cries out to the Lord, you will be considered guilty of sin. I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with this idea of the year of Jubilee. In God's economy, the way Israel was established, the way God set up Israel was that every seventh year, all the debts were canceled. Let the church say amen. Wouldn't that be awesome if your credit card called you every seventh year and said, hey, just want you to know that all that debt is now gone. Wouldn't you rejoice? Wouldn't you celebrate? Wouldn't that be wonderful? In fact, we know that if you purchased a slave to work on your property, to work in your home, on the seventh year, the slave would be free to go back. What a gift. So this passage in Deuteronomy 15 draws our attention to someone who might go to somebody else and say, hey, would you loan me some money? But the person that they're asking to loan the money from says, oh, my goodness, the year of Jubilee is only six months away. I'm not going to get hardly any of my money back if I give it to them now. And the Deuteronomy writer says, don't think like that. That is wicked thinking. It's selfish thinking. And we have to learn to deal with our selfish hearts. If we're going to learn to be generous, we have to first of all learn to deal with our selfish hearts. Think about it for a moment. Why did God ask us to give money? Why did God invent this idea of giving our money? Does God need our money? God doesn't need our money. God didn't invent this for his sake. God invented giving for our sake. He created it for us because giving works selfishness and greed out of our lives. Think about that. Giving works selfishness and greed out of our lives. Now, there's a lot of preaching about giving out there, and some of that prosperity gospel stuff talks about giving so you get more money, you want to get more wealth. But the revelation here out of Deuteronomy 15 is not about giving to get. It's about giving, again, as I said earlier, giving to give more, learning to be a generous person, learning how to give. So the first thing we have to do is we have to deal with our selfish hearts. The second thing that it teaches us in Deuteronomy 15 in the next verse is that we have to deal with a grieving or resentful heart. Deal with a grieving or resentful heart. Look at verse 10. It says, No, give generously to needy persons. Don't resent giving to them because it is this very thing that will lead you to the Lord your God's blessing you in all that you do and work at. It says, 
don't resent giving. Others translate it, don't give with a grieving heart. And you and I both know that we struggle sometimes in our giving because we worry about what that's going to do. We worry about how it's going to impact us. But the instructions are don't grieve, don't resent when you, give, when you give. Maybe you've given a big gift sometime along the way. Maybe you gave a big gift to the church. Maybe you gave a big financial gift to somebody else. And before that decision was made, you struggled with it in part because you thought, wow, think about all the things that I could do with this money. And so we struggle because we hold on to it, because we, we, we wrestle with it. That's part of our nature. And afterwards, after we make the gift, we say, wow, did I just do that? And there, there's some sense that sometimes creeps in of remorse about it, kind of like uh, the, the way that we sometimes struggle when we make a big purchase. We have buyer's remorse. We, we wonder, how could we do that? How could we afford that? And usually when we make something, a gift like that, those are, those are when, uh, the times when the washing machine breaks or the refrigerator goes out and, and those things happen. And, and, and the devil wants to remind us, say, look what happened because you gave, right? The problem with our money is that very often we forget whose money it is. Now, I want to I invite you to bear with me for a moment, and I want to uh, just kind of, I want to have you indulge me for a moment. I want to uh, ask you to reach into your wallets right now or your purses right now and pull out a, a 10 or a 20 or a $5 bill. Would you do that right now? Would you grab, if, if you got some money handy, grab it, would you please? Just pull it on out of there. Uh, everybody's searching for that money, right? Now, um, I wonder if somebody would, uh, who, who's got some money? Anybody got any money? Okay. All right. Okay. Thank you. Who else? All right. Great. $100 bill. Wow, nice. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Okay, that's good. That's good. This is for the illustration purposes. Now, I, I forgot my wallet today, and Christy and I are going to lunch afterwards, so thank you very much, right? <laughs> Appreciate that so very much. No, Stephen, you, you hang on to that. Oh, Shane's going to give it. Okay, thank you, Shane. All right, that'll help our lunch. That'll help with the tip after lunch, right? Okay, now, now, for those of you that didn't give me any money right now, uh, you didn't resent uh, the people giving me the money, did you? Right? You didn't resent them doing that. And, and I would submit to you that you didn't resent them giving it, in part at least, because it's not your money. It was somebody else's money. And very often, we resent giving our money to God because we think it's our money when it's actually God's money. Right? I just want you to think about the power of giving and about how we need to recognize that everything that we have is God's. It's not ours. Every dime that we've got comes from God. Now, I've got to give this money back now, and I hope I remember who, who, who I got it all from. Okay, there. Uh, no, you didn't get any, give me anything. You gave me. Did you? What'd you give me? Okay. All right. And let's see. I got. Uh, I got a. It was two hundred. It was two hundred. Holy smokes! Wow. <laughs> Anybody got something to float me with? Right. Hey, give those people a hand for uh, being willing to give up a little bit, right? It, it just trying to illustrate the point that it's God's money. It's not ours. Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. All that we have is a gift from God. 
The third thing about having a generous heart is that you've got to develop it. Maybe this would seem self-evident, but we've got to think about this idea about developing generosity. The next verse in, Luke 15, or in Deuteronomy 15, verse 14 says, Instead, provide for them fully from your flock food and wine. You must give to them from that which the Lord your God has blessed you. You see, one of the things the Bible teaches us is that we, were, we are born selfish when we get born again, when we accept Jesus into our hearts and lives, when we are born again, we are born again to be unselfish. Born selfish, born again to be unselfish. The Bible says give, give, learn to be generous because God has been so generous with us. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 5, verses 38 through 42. It says, you have heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. We have to develop a generous heart. Christy and I uh, spent uh, this past week down in Austin watching our two grandkids that lived down there. Their parents had to go, they had to go to a destination wedding in Hawaii. Don't you feel sorry for them, right? And uh, so Christy and I got back uh, Friday night, Friday afternoon late, and we both entered into our coma stage at that point. And I awakened last night about five after the week of being with the kids. But one of the things that is interesting about kids, and everybody knows this, is that when kids are little, they have to be taught to learn to share. And Grayson is four and a half, and Sawyer is about two, a little bit, little over two. And the dynamics there are very challenging. These boys are 90 miles an hour all the time, right? And, and part of what happens, part of the dynamics of that is Sawyer will have something, and Grayson, whatever it is, no matter what it is, Grayson will want that thing because Sawyer has it and vice versa, right? There's always this battle, this struggle going on about sharing. There, there can be a room full of toys for a kid. Uh, I mean, I'm talking about a room slammed full of toys. And if this kid has got that one toy, that's the, kid the, other, that's the thing the other kid wants. We have to be taught to learn to share. Jesus is asking us, when are you going to grow up? When are you going to mature in your faith to the point where you finally realize that everything that you have is mine? When are we going to give like we really are generous people? And then the fourth thing, the last thing about this issue is that we have to develop a grateful heart. Develop a grateful heart. Look what the next verse says in verse 15 of Deuteronomy 15. Remember that you were once slaves in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. That is why I'm giving you this command. He is commanding us to be generous because of what God has done for us. So what did God do for you? What did God do for you? Did he not save you from sin, from death, from eternal damnation, and gave you eternal life instead? How we develop our grateful hearts has everything to do with not forgetting what God has done. Sometimes when 
we're walking through our life, we walk through our life as though God has not done anything for us, when in fact God has done everything for us. We must not forget what God has done. We give of our lives, we give of our money because he first gave us life. Now, someone might say, well, I earned that money, Frank. Well, yeah, you earned that money. But who gave you your hands and your feet? Who gave you the brain that you have? Who gave you the body that you have? It was God who gave you everything that you have. All of this belongs to God. And if God would be so generous for me, why should I be in the business of refusing back to God? We can never forget what it means to be saved. Listen again to the words from Luke chapter 6. Jesus said, don't judge, and you won't be judged. Don't condemn, and you won't be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and will be given to you. A good portion, packed down, firmly shaken, and overflowing will fall into your lap. The portion you give will determine the portion you receive in return. Generosity breeds generosity. Giving is about the heart. Do you remember our mission statement here at Lighthouse? Our mission statement says, to make Christ followers who change the world. Read it with me. To make Christ followers who change the world. The idea behind it is Jesus changes me. I begin to learn how to be generous. And through God's generosity living in me, I impact other people with that generosity. Sometimes I rail, maybe sometimes you rail about the condition of our world today. Let's be clear. If we really want to see our world change, we have to learn to be more generous. Because the only way it's ever going to change is if we impact the world because Jesus has impacted us so greatly. A generous heart leads to a generous life and changes the world. A generous heart leads to a generous life, and it changes the world. When our team from Lighthouse went to Kenya last year, one of the things that we took with us were pencils. I think we took about 500 pencils. They, they need school supplies there in Kenya. And, and on, on the front end, we think about that. We think, well, that's a reasonable request, right? Well, let's, let's help the kids with their education. But everybody on the team, not one of us, understood the magnitude of the difference a pencil would make. This is like a golf pencil, right? Something that you, would just, you and I would just throw away. But in Kenya, a kid can't go to school unless they have a pencil. A parent might be able to afford a couple of bucks a month to put their kids in school because the only way you can get your kid into school is if you pay a little bit of money because they don't have the taxation to support the schools. So if you as a family can come up, can, if you can pony up a few bucks to get your kid into school, one of the things that they have to have or they can't come is a pencil. And you can't believe the faces on those kids when we gave them pencils. We went to this little town called Rikiu, which is about a 45-minute drive outside of Maua, where we spent most of our time. Maua is up in the highlands, beautiful, lush area. But Rikiu is down in the valley, and it's a very dusty, dirty place. In the two vans that we were riding in, the dirt was just pouring up from the road, just a silty kind of dusty dirt, you know, that just kind of envelops you. We wanted to make sure all the windows were closed because we were going to be eating mud sandwiches by the time too much road got behind us. We got to the school that doesn't look like any school you've ever seen in the United States. 
because it was so broken down and so pitiful. And yet those kids were so proud and so happy and so excited. And we brought them school supplies there. And, and I, I talked with Pastor Ann. Pastor Ann is the pastor of the church at Rikiu, and she oversees the school as well. It's a wonderful marriage, churches and schools there in Kenya. And Pastor Ann and I were talking about the pencils, and she said, you know that some kids come to Jesus because they were given a pencil by an American missionary. I'm like, what? She said, oh, yeah. She said, kids ask us all the time, why did they bring us pencils? Why did they do that? Because they don't have pencils. And she said, they, we tell them every single time, they brought the pencil because they want to remind you of how much God loves you. And many kids find out about Jesus because somebody gave them a pencil, because you gave them a pencil. Amazing. Jason was talking about Comic-Con while the announcements were going on this morning that's happened, happening next Saturday, something we've never done here at Lighthouse before. But we're opening up our doors. We're, we're hoping to roll out the red carpet for people in the community around here that, that love this kind of activity. And we're opening up our doors because we want to show them hospitality because my belief is we're hoping to, sh- to give them a pencil that would plant the love of Jesus in them. And, and I'm excited about Comic-Con. I hope that if you haven't volunteered, I'm, this, isn't a, this isn't about a plea to say, come and volunteer. But friends, will understand, when we do stuff like this, it's about trying to help people know who Jesus is. Because Jesus changes the world. And sometimes people just need to have some love poured into them before they can really begin to understand who God is. And sometimes it takes a little pencil. Sometimes it may take something like a Comic-Con in order to have something life-changing happen for them. It is an incredible, incredible gift. A generous heart leads to a generous life and changes the world. Let the church say amen. Pray with me, please. God, I pray this day that if there's anybody in this room who has not felt the generosity of God in their lives, that today would mark the new beginning for their lives. God, I, I expect that there's somebody in here or maybe somebody watching at home who has never given their life to Jesus before, never learned about how generous you are, God. And God, I pray that we would all remember the simplicity of what it means to simply open our hearts to allow Jesus to fill us, to Allow us to follow him, to see our lives changed. God, I pray this morning for anybody in this room today that is struggling, struggling with selfishness. There are likely marriage challenges represented in this room. There are health challenges represented in this room. And God, it's easy for us when challenges come to us, it's easy for us to get selfish and begin to think just about ourselves. Help us, God, in the midst of our challenges to think about others as well. We pray, God, for those that are struggling, for whatever reason they might be struggling, health issues, financial issues, relationship issues, God, we pray through all of that that you would be glorified. God, and we pray that we would respond as you ask us, what shall we give? God, help us to learn to give because you first gave. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.